Hello, Legends. Before we get into the episode, I just want to quickly tell you about a brand new show that I have just released. It's called Crime at Bedtime. And as the name suggests, it's been designed with those in mind who like to go to sleep at night listening to a fascinating true crime story. We'll release a brand new episode every single Monday, but right now there is a stack of episodes for you to binge straight away. So go check it out. It's called Crime at Bedtime. It's available wherever you get your podcasts from. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Just a quick warning that today's episode does contain discussions around suicide that some people may find upsetting. Listener discretion is advised. Hello. And welcome back to One Minute Remaining. My name is Jack Lawrence, the host and creator of this show. Since I started One Minute Remaining back in September of last year, I've been lucky enough to get a lot of support from other podcasts who have helped me get the word out about this show, including, of course, in the true crime space. One of those people from the true crime space is Michelle Laurie. Now, for those of you who may be unfamiliar with Michelle, here in Australia. She's a radio and TV personality, comedian, and also the host of one of Australia's most successful true crime podcasts called Australian True Crime. Towards the end of last year, Michelle featured an episode of One Minute Remaining on her show, as well as asking me to sit down with her to discuss the show, its cases, and this world in general. It was a really great chat and I thoroughly enjoyed it, so I wanted to play it for you today. So here's my chat with Michelle Laurie from Australian True Crime. You've stumbled on this great concept. This is what I love about podcasting as well. I love it when someone, to me, it's all about this like tiny niche, which mm. we, you and I, I think both, you know, get from radio. We mm. love a niche and yeah. um, like finding this tiny corner of a bigger genre and mm. you have done it. I didn't get the the title. Initially, I thought, oh, it's a bit of a clunky title, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Until I heard it yeah. and heard the end of one of your shows and I was like, oh, of course, we all know how the phone calls from American Jails end. Yes. And I, look, I cannot claim the title myself. As a friend of mine, Gareth Lewis, actually came up with it because I, I built a, a, the pilot episode or the first episode and he's an avid podcast listener. So anything I do, I sort of send to him like, dude, can you have a listen to this? And I, I said, oh, I, I'm just, I'm stuck with a name. And I was thinking of flowery things like, you know, injustice or something, you know, something like that. And he's like, mate, it's in the show. You can hear it at the end, one minute remaining. And I went, oh. 
genius. So, oh, yeah, and so. all the best podcasts, all the best documentaries, everything from Making a Murderer, like the, the Staircase, like all the hugest true crime pieces have these moments where people are on the phone to people in prison and mm. we hear that because it's just we're just in the middle of this intense conversation and we hear this moment from the prison phone you have 1 minute remaining and we're like Dah! yeah no she is so that voice is slowly becoming the hate, most hated voice in podcasting everyone yeah. in everyone in my groups is like i hate that woman i oh. hate her but they're, i'm yeah. like well imagine how i feel i'm i'm right in the middle of a really important bit with these guys and all of a sudden that woman chimes in i'm like oh Jesus. Imagine how people in jail feel, oh, you know, well, yeah, and that totally. to me is what it's about and that's also what your show is about. Mm. It's about and I realized something that I'd never kind of sort of consciously um worked through, which is that the people in jail are always really kind of zen about it. Oh. I never hear them scream at the voice. In, insane, yeah. I mean, they are some of the some of the people. They're just insanely calm about it. There's a guy. They coming, never scream and go. No, nah. ah, shut up! I've got so much more to say to that voice. They they just accept it. It's like I'm sure they did in the beginning, but they're so used to this, all the rules, all the being told what to do all the time, mm. all the these things that their life has become, and that's what jail is. And people say, oh, it's like a holiday camp now. They get TV and they get all this. And people who've been to jail say, no, you don't understand mm. the fundamental point of prison being that you have no autonomy. You have no say over anything in your life, even to the point where your phone calls are timed and when that machine says it's over, it's over. It doesn't mm. matter what you're saying or what they're saying. or Yeah, every aspect of their life is completely controlled. They have, they have no yeah. say over anything. You know, when the lights go out, when the lights come on, when they have to go and eat, uh, when they go shower, it's it's all controlled, including, as yeah. you said, including the phone calls, talking to loved ones. I mean, they talk to me, obviously, but talking to their loved ones and people they care about, they they get some of them only get 15 minutes, others get 30 minutes, um, and then that's it, phones. And I was listening to um, your phone call with this lady who was accused of uh, conspiring with a lover to kill his wife, and the whole time it's sort of sometimes it gets really hard to hear her because the people around her are screaming oh, into yeah. their phones. Like some of them are better than others. Anthony Duke is a guy I've got on at the moment. His prison, honestly, when we're talking, it sounds like people are just throwing furniture around in the background. It's just mm. – and then I will be talking to one of the ladies and, you know, I was talking to uh, Amelia Carr's one I was talking to. I think that's, that's who lady, you're talking about, yeah. Her. And yeah. she apologised and she said, oh, I'm sorry, someone's yeah. just sitting next to me started screaming down the phone. Uh, and they have no, yeah, they have no control over those things. And you know, it get, happens like that all the time. Like, and again, Anthony Duke, the guy I'm talking to, his prison's crazy. And he's talking to me at one point. And all of a sudden, this guy just interrupts the conversation. And you can hear him having his conversation backward and forward. And Anthony's trying to get rid of him. And he just will not leave him alone. And he's just, at one point, he goes, dude, I cannot do this with you right now. The, he's in the shower. I don't know. And this guy was looking for someone. And then he just comes back and he just has this massive sigh. And he just goes, I hate this place. Of course. Like they just have, there's just nothing that they have control over, nothing at all. And again, yeah. like they're not supposed to be holiday camps, you know, these people are in prison, you know, right. and most of them, you know, a lot of people obviously talk to say that they're innocent of the crimes are convicted of, and they very well could be, you know, one in 20 convictions in the US are wrongful convictions. So, yeah, you, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not stupid. I don't think everyone I talk to is innocent, but at the same token, they're just, you know, they're in these places where they aren't holiday camps and they're treated quite in, inhumanely in a lot of ways. You know, I've had Amelia a car on again we spoke about. 
she called me one day, just just so depressed, and she just said, you know, I'm having to get. I get up at three o'clock in the morning to go and do work because they all work. A lot of them work in the prison. And she goes, you know, at one o'clock in the morning, if there's other people in the prison that don't work, because you don't have to if you don't want to, they'll just take drugs or they'll be messing around and then the lights come on because that's happening and they're screaming and shouting and then you can't get back to sleep but then she's still got to get up and go and do her job that day. And, mm. you know, these places are just horrendous. And they, they, their frustration is shows like Orange is the New Black and, um, you know, places that seem to sort of highlight prisons as kind of like, places where these women are having a bit of fun and, you know, they're just watching TV and having their coffees and relaxing when it, when it's really not their reality. Yeah, I guess that's, you know, a particular kind of show, but it's sort of in their own way they try to demonstrate that idea that people cope in their own ways, mm. don't they? That that some people try to study, some people try to, to take drugs, to self-medicate, to, to, you know, do the time that way. Um but but I take your point that, you know, you don't and you make the point a lot during that episode um, that you're not really trying to prove anyone's innocence or you're not even really investigating anyone's guilt or innocence. It, it's really a show about uh, prison, isn't it? About about mm. people in prison, about allowing them to tell their stories about the before and and how they got there sort of thing um, about their childhoods, and which we're always really interested in as well. And uh, sometimes we get comments from people going, oh, you know, bleeding hearts and who cares mm. about childhoods and all that kind of stuff and too many excuses. But you also then um, in that episode you spoke to uh, a person, a, a university professor, I think, so, a researcher, and that was a really interesting aspect too, talking about. Oh, the child, um, the, the effects. Aces, yeah, the yeah, ACEs yeah. theory, yeah. the theory that um, you sort of, uh, up until the age of 18, if you have certain things affect your life mm. you're racking up points yep and and if you have enough points you're more likely to have all these things happen to you in adulthood yeah the ad- adverse reaction from things that happened to your child it blew my mind I didn't even yeah. know about all this ACEs scores and things like that and literally the the more things that happen to you in your childhood the more likely you are for every bad thing you know health wise and anything wise going to prison being an alcoholic uh, taking drugs, those sorts of things. Like it's it's all stems from childhood and the more Being trauma. a young parent, yeah. being a yeah. victim of domestic violence, being a perpetrator of domestic violence. And, and as you say, even um, poor health outcomes, mm. like um, things you would never you would never think could be um, affected by childhood violence or sexual assault, things like diabetes, yeah. Um, Health outcomes like that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's amazing. It, it really is amazing how your upbringing um, in those early stages of your life would just affect the remainder of your life. And mm-hmm. and obviously, Amelia Carr is a, a poster child, for want of a better term, for that particular situation because her life prior to you know becoming an adult was just hor- like I just was sitting there listening to that, just like jaw on the floor, like insane. to summarize, just to, to <clears throat> mention, you know, two things. Um, sexually assaulted by her father for yep. most of her childhood, yep. who then from his prison cell attempted to hire someone to murder her and her mother mm-hmm. to prevent them from testifying against him. Yep. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. And then as she's speaking to you, though, she's so incredibly intelligent, articulate. I couldn't believe that. I, I It <clears> felt <throat> like we were listening to a young woman who was raised in a really different environment. That worked against her with her actual situation and her crime and, and the interview because because of her intelligence, um, the, the, she was labelled as 
manipulative, manipulative and conniving because uh, she was very smart and she, you know, she, she was twisting things and she was comp- in complete control of the whole scenario, as I said. So it actually worked against her, her, her being so smart. She apparently does have quite a high IQ and you can hear that. She's an intelligent really? woman. Yeah. Uh, she had very little education. Yeah, but education. she's got she's got a she's got a pretty high IQ, and this was all that, again. As I said, it worked against her because they they build her. as She's a very smart woman, and you know she's very manipulative. And this is how you know this is how the crime happened, and she was in control of it all, um, which obviously she denies. Yeah, um, and and you made the point that she is was a young woman who was let down by adults during her entire childhood mm. to the point that when she fell pregnant to a much older man, she was a minor, she was technically and literally a child at the mm. time, um, she was encouraged by the Department of Children's Services, whatever it's called, in the state of Florida where yep. she was living, to marry the man to prevent him from facing rape charges. Insanity. And, I, I and said, she did. Yeah. She married him. Well, because as, as I said in the, the episode, like if you're a 16-year-old, right, and you with a partner at 16, we've all been 16, we've all thought we were in love and, you know, it was, we, mm. this, we met the person we're going to spend the rest of our life with. Imagine them saying, well, you either marry this person or they're going to face charges and couldn't go to prison. You're going to go, well, okay, well, I'll get married. How does And then it- she explained, well, she explained that because when you marry someone by Fl- Florida law, mm. that's seen as your parents giving consent to the relationship. So so he can't be charged with rape. So mm-hmm. even as she's saying that, it's like, God, so they're treating children like possessions, either mm. of their parents. Yes. Or of, Someone else says or it's of, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Idiots. It's honestly, it's just incredible. Like I just, if that because I, I, when I was, she first told me, I'm like, this can't be right. There's no I way. I you saying that to There's her. no You're way like, a child no. protection agency is forcing you to marry someone. Yeah. Like that's crazy. And then I looked it up. I'm like, no, it's not crazy. It's what happens. She was so patient with you. She's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you don't understand. In our country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet, you little Australian. You don't understand what goes on here. But, yes, it's messed up. Tell us what, what else you've learned about their country. I mean, that's it's fascinating, isn't it? Because as I said earlier, I'm, I was imagining you were living in the states. Yeah, but he, you're still here. You- I don't think I'll be allowed into America once <laughs> this gets out there. You know, it's not. I'm not. I'm not huge in America at the moment. I'm quite happy with that because it yeah. means I'm staying under the radar. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's I mean, just brilliant. I, I'm just. I just that it's just insane, Michelle. Like it's you know. I mean, I think. You know, it's their their laws just are crazy. Like David, so the David Talley case. There's a case about David Talley. He's a man with a hundred year prison sentence. He was given the statutory, like the maximum he could get on every single one of his charges. I mean, quick pricey. He was addicted to drugs. He doesn't claim to be an innocent man by any stretch of the imagination. Addicted to drugs. He'd been in trouble with the police a number of times. Um, and every time he'd ask for help, can I, I need help. I'm addicted to drugs. I want to get off the drugs. I'm sick of this cycle of prison and getting out, going back to prison, getting back. And they just said flat out refused no. He was supposed to go into programs when he got into prison, but they just put him to work building more prisons. And then this final time he was going back in front of the court, he'd stolen some stuff from a servo to pay for his addiction. In front of the judge, he said, look, can I have a couple of days to get my affairs in order, say goodbye to my kids, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, he tries to commit suicide. That fails. He then jumps into his father's car. Police chase ensues. No one's hurt. No one's killed. He just runs from the police. He does hit a police car with his car. Actually, in fact, hits two police cars. But those cars were fine. The police officers in them were fine. In fact, the chase continued with those cars in the chase. Gets caught, goes back in front of the judge. And the judge says, you, you've embarrassed me. You've made a fool out of me. What would have happened if you killed someone? They would have blamed me. They wouldn't have blamed you. You know, you can understand the judge's frustration, his anger. Fair enough. 
But then he then proceeds to give him the maximum penalty on every single one of those charges, which added up to over 100 years without the possibility of ever getting parole, ever. No matter what he does, there's no parole system in Florida. There is no, like, they have a parole board, they have a parole board, but nobody sits on that board because the governor has never appointed anyone to the parole board. So there is no way for him, he's been in there for 22 years. He's never taken, he's not taken a drug since he's been in there in 22 years. He works in the prison as a prison chef, uh, prison cook. He's also a certified law clerk, so he helps other people with their cases. And he has no way of getting in front of anybody to say, hey, look what I've done over the last 22 years. I have reformed myself. Mm. There is no way for him to do it. They literally have said, lock away, lock him up, throw away the key. No chance of ever getting out. Honestly, it's just like Florida's the worst. It, you know, if you don't get in trouble in Florida because you, your life's over, mm. it's just insane. Like the laws are just so backwards. Um, and that's where Amelia is, the lady we've been talking yeah, about a lot. Actually, all the women I speak to are all in Florida and I've got one bloke, uh, sorry, two men that are in the Florida prison as well. But, yeah, I think the biggest thing I've learned from from doing this is just because their, their, their incarceration rate is so high as well. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so many people in prison in America. Like it's just huge. And, you know, as I said at the start, one in 20 people convicted of a crime will be innocent. Like Jesus, one in twenty. Like it was just, it's that's a that's a high number. Like one in twenty. It does you know? seem like there is an extraordinary level of, well, that's that's extraordinary. Obviously, that mm. statistic, and also the the unfairness that the the like clear cases of just outrageous unfairness, like like that idea of being sent to prison for a hundred years and net without an opportunity for parole, mm. without killing anybody, no. by the way. You know, like, um, and the other day I was reading just a few days ago about a man, an African-American man who was sent to jail because he couldn't pay his $100 bail. Mm-hmm. So that, that happens too, that that real poverty sort of tax. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and this man had um, schizophrenia you know, clearly very mentally ill. And he ended up starving to death in, uh, in, he was in solitary confinement for the entire time that he was in. I think he was in there for a year in the end, mm. over a hundred dollar bail. It was a minor, um, you know, charge mm. and he starved to death. Crazy. And uh, I mean, I've been told by the ladies, they've got, there's women in, in prison with them that, um, so there's one woman apparently who stole a very like something cheap from the mall or something like a fifteen dollar item, and then she tried to she she the the they called the police and she ran from the police and she got in a car and as she was driving away a police officer threw himself on the car right for a little you know fifteen twenty dollar item he's thrown himself on the car that woman then got an attempted murder charge and found guilty uh. like. It's just like it's yeah. honestly, it's just insane. Poor to begin with. Well, how do you fight that? Well, you can't, and that's the other thing. If that's the other thing, the ladies say, you know, because everyone I talk to, they 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 get a public defender, and mm. public defenders in the US are you know overworked, underpaid, have hundreds of cases that they're trying to deal with at the same time, so they're just mm. trying to get through them as quickly as they can. Most of the time, they're just like, oh yeah, okay, trying to get plea deals and all that, just to sign them off and move on. Um, but then once you're in prison, then trying to get back in front of a court takes years and years and years. And when you put through, you can put through appeals. And um, Anthony was telling me the other day, he said, you put through an appeal and they can send you back a letter just saying deny. They don't have to give you, if they, and if they don't give you a reason, then you cannot fight it anymore. 
because you've got nothing. You've got no reason. There's apparently there's no. You've got nothing to go back and say. Well, hold on. So they can literally just write denied. No reason, just denied. And then you've and that's it. Game over. You've got no. You cannot fight that again. You've got to then go to another appeal and move it up the the ladder. And it's just honestly, it's it's a nightmare. Like some of these people, just you know. I suppose speaking to Tony last night, um, and um, I said to him at the end, I was like, so what? What do we do next? Because like. Anthony Duke, there's something going on in where Anthony Duke was arrested. I, he's the one that I'm actually really doing some investigation into his case because of the way that his, you know, investigation was handled. Mm. And I said to him, I was like, so what do we got next? Like, what do we do next? Because I'm getting frustrated. He's calm. Like you said, you know, these people are zen. He's so zen about the whole thing. He's just, you know, so he, he's very religious like a lot of these people are and he's like, you know, I'm here where God wants me for now and blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, okay, I get that, Tony, but what do we do next? And he goes, no, I've, well, he said, I got an appeal in. I said, okay, so what happens after that? He goes, well, if it comes back tonight, I'm done. And I'm just like, imagine that. Imagine Jeez, that. Being I can't in, imagine that. Being in prison and you know you're innocent. Obviously you can't, there's no way of you really proving it. You're trying your best to get appeals and stuff like that. And then them coming back and saying denied and you're just, that's it, done. You're, the rest of your life is then you know what it is. There's, there's no if, buts, and maybe, you know what you're doing tomorrow, you know what you're doing the next day, you know, you're doing, you know what you're doing in five years' time. It's all the same. It mm. doesn't change ever. Like, I just, honestly, it's, I got off that call yeah. last night and I just like sat in my room for about an hour just trying to process it all, just going, and I'm not even locked in there, you know, and I was just like, I just can't understand how this is. It well, that's what I'm wondering. How, how do you cope? Because people ask me that all the time. How do you cope with, hearing you know, stuff. hearing these stories? Yeah. And in a way I'm feeling like, oh, most of the time, the stories that I hear are that there is resolution. To be honest, mm. it's sort of it's over. Yeah. Whereas your your the stories that you're talking about, they are ongoing, and mm. you know you're talking about what you know getting involved basically mm. in this one. Yeah. Like how 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 is it affecting your life, and you know what's your wife saying? And <laughs> she's. See, I was we were watching it because I was so I was sometimes I won't be expecting calls and they'll just call me. I'll just get mm, calls from, from, like from inmates. I was literally watching TV and, and I had a few beers and it was, you know, because I wasn't expecting a call and then all of a sudden my phone rings and I, I now know what, what number pops up. I know who it is. Um, and, I, and I saw the number come up and I said to my wife, I said, oh, it's Tony. And she says, oh, you've got to answer it. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll be back in a minute. And then she, yeah, she'd gone to bed and I was up till midnight or whatever talking to him. Um, but there's a few, few of them that like David Talley, again, he's another one I'm trying to help get him out of prison. Um, so it, do, it is taking over my life and I feel like, you know, cause with David, I'm involved with his family as I talk to his son and daughter on a regular basis and his sister, you know, trying to think of ways that we can help him. I'm trying to find private investigators that can help. And, um, it has completely taken over my life. Like, it's just, you know, this is in a good way. Like, I feel like I'm actually doing something, you know, meaningful, yep. hopefully, you know, it's. Uh, you know, I spent a lot, many, many years on the radio and as much as I love that, you know, you didn't get, and I'm sure there's people listening and you're making their day great and, you know, you make their day better because they're stuck in traffic and that sort of stuff. But you don't have that, as you know, Michelle, you don't have that yep. real connection unless you see them out and about and they're like, oh my God, I love your show. It's just, yep. you're talking to a mic and you, you know, you know, people are listening, but you don't get that back and forth. But with this, I'm talking to the person and, you know, we, we are creating this show and, you know, people are listening and they are enjoying it, but it, this is a person's life and this is, you know, so I feel so connected to a lot of these people and I do feel their frustrations and I do, you know, Doris, the original lady who I've been talking to, she's got an evidentiary hearing coming up in a couple of months and it's, we've been, she's the, she's the OG, the one I spoke to like five <laughs> years ago. We've been talking for five years 
And, you know, she's always upbeat and bubbly and, you know, we have a bit of fun chatting, but she's got this evidentiary hearing coming up. And the last couple of times we've chatted on the phone, she's just like been spent most of the time just crying. And, and I just like, it's just, I feel helpless. I'm like, because I can't do anything to help her in her case because that's all in the hands of the courts. It's a lot, it's mm-hmm. a murder, tr- murder case. It's, you know, so she's got a lawyer and everything like that. She's got an attorney. So some days like... I don't do any recording whatsoever. I literally just sit on the phone. We just chat, you know, and I say, look, I'm not recording. Let's just talk. Let's, you know, how are you going? And blah, blah, blah. Because that's the thing. I don't, I, I never wanted this to be a case of me just getting people's stories for the benefit of entertainment um, and, you know, saying, thanks very much. See, I appreciate that. You know, I, I, I've always wanted to continue the connection and continue the conversation and, and not just, because I found, because obviously I've been a fan of true crime for a long time. And I listen to a lot of crime shows, you know, like your serials and that sort of stuff where they talk to inmates and then you go, you finish it and you're kind of like, well, what happened? Like, are they yeah. still in prison? Because then you're Googling. Oh, sure. You're going, well, what yeah. happened to this person? Like, are they still there? Or what? And it's like. It's so upsetting when you can't find out. Yeah. Isn't it? it's um, just, yeah. When it, you lose track of somebody. Uh, or you find out that things started to go bad for them and then they've dropped off the radar. It's heartbreaking. Totally. Totally. You know, that everyone was really into them for a minute and then not. Well, that's it. Exactly. And that's the other thing. And that's the the thing I find awful is obviously Mm. for – it's, it's at the end of the day, this is entertainment for people. You know, mm. it, that's what it is. It's it's an entertainment thing, and, and people listen. And I feel like, you know, it is that thing. People enjoy their story for well, how many of episodes, or whatever they listen to it, and then they move on with their lives. And we forget about these people, but they're still there. You know, they're still living yeah. this, and and that's why I want to continue to. For, even if you know, I'm talking to people who 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 will never get out of prison. You know, I hope that this project continues to the point where, you know, we. but even if it doesn't, I will still, I think I still will continue to talk with them on a regular basis because I've had built such a relationship with these people. Like, we, you know, we email all the time, which obviously doesn't make the show and we t- chat backward and forward. And I, that will continue. That I know that will continue because, you know, I, as well as the fact that I've opened up this Pandora's box now because they are, a lot of these people don't have family on the outside mm. and now they have this connection with me and we're chatting. For me to then just ditch them and be like, see ya. Like how, yeah. like that's awful, you know, because yeah. I mean, Anthony, again, Anthony the other night, um, he was telling me, you know, he used to sit there and watch these people who would wait for mail call and that's just the one thing, the one joy in their life and he'd say, he'd say you'd see them run up to see if they had a letter and they wouldn't have anything and then you, they, he said they'd just be depressed for the rest of the day until the next day when, again, they were just amped up waiting for mail call and then they'd run up and there was nothing and he said and they're depressed and he said they just went through this cycle and this cycle. I feel like that's almost Tony saying to me, that's me, so don't do that to me. Yeah, totally. Because he will send me random messages. Like he just he sent me mine this morning going, yo, what's up? Um, you know, and I'm in the middle of stuff. I'm like, no, I have to reply. Because if I don't reply to them, then they just, they'll, they'll be sitting there going, nothing. So I'm like, I, have to, I feel like I have to reply straight so away. So much responsibility for I you. I know, though. I know. I don't know what I've taken on, Michelle. I really don't. <laughs> no, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like we, we've built up... Um, like a lot of services like to refer people to, yes. you know. So we, um, yeah, which which you can't really do for people in prison. No. That's the other issue. It's not like you can send them anywhere. They can't no. go anywhere. All I can do is it's buy them like, magazine subscriptions, which I do on a regular basis. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, which is great. I mean, yeah, all you can do is send things to them or, you know, yeah, at least we have, you know, we can always... Um, put put people in touch with other people, mm. um, really helpful services and stuff, but you can't even do that.
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Where do you find your guests? So, well, as I said, Derese was the first one. I found, because I, when I was working on the drive show I was working on, um, I found a story about Derese and the, the lottery because she was accused of killing its lottery winner um, and she'd always denied it. And I just thought it was a fascinating story. So I wrote her a letter just thinking, not really, not thinking in podcasts, just wrote a letter thinking, you know, some, I'll tell this story somehow. Uh, and then we just got chatting. And then, so I was going to make a completely different podcast about the lottery. It was going to be about the lottery and the lottery curse and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. So I was just interviewing her about that for this podcast. And then it was a very complex story and I was getting lost. I'm like, how am I going to put this into a podcast? I mean, this makes sense. And then she goes, oh, do you want to talk to my law clerk? Because, you know, she, she's working on my case, blah, blah, blah. So I was thinking, oh, yeah, cool give me a number and I'll give her a call. And she says, oh, no, no, I can arrange it from here. I was like, oh, what do you mean? She goes, oh, she's in prison with me. So, of course, then I'm like, well, I've got it. Yes, I've got to talk to this lady. So then this yeah. is Kimberly Boone who ended up being episode, the second story we spoke about. She comes on and I said, oh, just briefly tell me your story. So she told me her story. It was just as mind-blowing. And I was like, okay, well, that's in crazy. That's, I, so then I'm like, okay, here, here it is. This is the show. It's me talking to these inmates. It's not, you know, yeah. the lottery. Do you have to get permission, by the way, from the, from the prisons? <laughs> no. No, 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 no permission. <laughs> they literally, wow. this is the thing, like, I mean, as, as crazy as the Americans are with their amendments and, you know, Second Amendment and all that sort of stuff, mm. part of their amendment is freedom of speech and that cannot be touched. So they just have yeah, the right, right. To, to, so far, I mean, there's some states that I can't get to because I'm overseas. They just don't like overseas numbers. Um, mm. So Texas is one of those, but I have now a, a lawyer in Texas who's doing my interviews for me. But yeah, so, so then I went back to Derese and said, got anyone else? And she went, sure. So she acted as my, as my in-prison producer and oh. just was going around the cells asking people if they wanted to talk to me. And oh. then I put up some videos on the old lovely TikTok um, and mm. they kind of went a bit mental. And then someone, um, then like two or three people contacted me saying, hey, my, like Tony's mum found me on there and she's like, my son's in prison, can you talk to him? And, then, and so forth. And it's just snowballed from there. And then I just obviously asked the guys who I'm talking to on the phone, hey, is there anyone else who's keen to talk to me? And it's just kind of snowballed from there. And like, like we said, you watch shows and you wonder what happened to people. I was watching this show on Stan called um, The Wrong Man, which is a brilliant show. Yeah, it is brilliant. brilliant I loved show. it. Well, so yep. 
a guy, so there's two two people now from that show that I'm interviewing because it kind of went. I'm like, so this guy Evaristo Salas who was arrested at 15 for a mm-hmm. murder that he said he didn't commit, and then they found out that the detective lied, and and mm-hmm. then I was like, I'm like, and then it ended. I'm like, what happened to him? So then I googled him, found him. He's still in prison. So then I got in touch with his sister and teed that wow, up. So well then I interviewed him. Now I just scour sort of the internet looking for interesting stories of inmates and they don't have to be innocent. And a lot of people say to me, oh, are you just talking to people who, you know, claim they're innocent? I'm like, absolutely not. I'm happy to talk to any. Everyone's got a story in my opinion. Uh, there's, certain, absolutely. there's certain stories I won't, you know, touch because of, you know, sensitivity and stuff. Yeah. Because um, I am still very aware that there's victims involved and that sort of stuff because I know a few people are like, oh, you, why don't you have the victims' families on them and things like that? And I always say, look, those stories have been told a lot from from their yeah. side. So, yeah. so one, I feel like that side's been told. Yeah, and also, you know, we increasingly talk about the victim-offender overlap yes. and the fact that most offenders, and, and that is a, I don't know the exact off the top of my head statistic, but that is a fact. Most offenders have been victimised first mm-hmm. in some way. Yes. So, um, you know, if you think of it that way. Well, a lot, of, a lot too, of, yeah, trauma is, trauma is a huge thing with everyone yeah. I talk to. There's always trauma yes. in their life somewhere. Yes. So, which is not to obviously, you know, excuse violence, but um, yeah, like the people we've talked about today, most offenders of violence certainly have been victimised and victims of violence previously. Yes. Plus it's a so, case of, I mean, a case of, I don't want to bring up, you know, victims' families going, hey, I'm doing a show and I'm talking to the person who's no. you know, been told that, you know, they killed your partner. If they come across my show and they see the person there, if they listen to it, obviously that is their choice to listen to it. Totally. But they also have that choice to just scroll past and go, well, I'm not listening to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's not the that's not your show. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and we talk to offenders sometimes too mm-hmm. and, and our show is, yeah, we, we do try and... Um, always at least get permission from victims, families and all that. But that's that's our show, you know. Yeah. We are a victim-centric show. But yeah. as I say, increasingly as we roll along, we we are really much more aware of 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 the, the truth of, of offenders as well and, mm. and how, how it happens, how people become offenders, as we say. And mm. I personally become more aware of this idea that, you know what, if we treated victims better, we'd have less offenders, mm. you know. Today's totally. victim... You know, is well, as we know, times we, tomorrow's offender. And as we mentioned with the, at the start with that specialist that I had on to talk about yeah. the, the childhood stuff, I mean, the possibility yeah. of them becoming an offender is obviously is higher from trauma as a child. Yeah, so um, if we took better care of them, hmm. um, surely we could then reduce Try that. And prevent that, yeah. Have you spoken to anyone who has actually, you know, made you unhappy? Have you had any <laughs> conversations that, that have made you feel pretty pretty um, dirty. There's definitely people I've spoken to who I go, you're just spinning me a whole yarn here. I think <laughs> I feel like I've got a good radar now. I've spoken to about 18 or 19 inmates <laughs> yeah. and I feel like I've got a pretty good radar as to who's talking, what's it with me and who's, you know, yeah. who's, who's honest with me. So, yeah, there's, there's definitely people I've spoken to who I'm listening and I, while they're talking to me, I'm contemplating whether or not even to air it. Um, just purely, yeah. purely because of the fact that it is just to me sounds complete bullshit. <laughs> Excuse my French. Well, I mean, I think because oh, you've got to assume that there's got to be a high percentage of people in prison who are manipulative and oh, absolutely. full of shit and all that. Surely you've got to totally. be keeping an ear out for that all the time, yeah, haven't absolutely. you? I mean, you know, they used so to So I would want to hear that. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing. And that's, and, and that's why I say at the stand, why the, from the very start of this show I've said I'm not here to try and prove them innocent or guilty. That's not what we're yeah, here for. I'm totally. just here to let them tell 
their side of the story. Yeah. Whether it's true or not is not for me to say. It is up to people to listen and then they can work it out from there what they think. Oh, um, we totally have guests sometimes who I think, yeah, I mean you let them tell their own story but there are often times when I think, oh, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. we all think your brother did it. Yes. <laughs> and we all understand that you can't quite make that leap. Yes. Because no one wants to think their brother would do that. Yes. Or whatever. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think And I think it's how you like I mean I think it's it's a lot of people will say to me, "Oh, you can't believe a word they're saying." It's like, "But well, hold on a second. It's not a, again, it's not about that. They're willing to share this story with me." Yeah. Why I'm not going to sit there and attack them and go, "You're a liar." Like because that's exactly. what that's what they that's what they've dealt with their entire life. They've been, yeah. and from the media, and that's why, you know, a lot of these people like Amelia Carr, her story is, you know, a lot of people have been have, uh, attacked her and said, "You're a liar." Even you look, mm. watch uh, documentaries or interviews she's done with the American media and it's all this, did you do it? The first question, so did you kill them? And she's like, well, no. Mm-hmm. And like, well, you know, and they just, it's attack, 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 attack. Why would I have them on and say, hey, come tell me your story and then just attack them and say, well, Absolutely. that can't be true. That's wrong. You're lying. In my opinion, that's not my job. My job is to let them no. tell their story, facilitate it uh, and let other people make up their own mind. That's it. We can all make up our own minds in our cars or in our when we're doing our dishes or whatever. We can all, you know, we all listen with our own uh, ears and judgments and our own biases and our own backgrounds and and make up our own minds. And yeah, I think so too. I think all our job is to do as podcasters is to help people tell their stories, mm-hmm. let everyone else hear it, and make up their own minds. Yeah, and people um, will. It doesn't matter what you do. Like people will always make up their own mind, no matter what you do. You know. Yeah, because we do all come with come with our own baggage and our own bias mm-hmm. and make up our own minds about things. And personally, I probably came with a lot of bias in Amelia's favour, mm-hmm. I suppose. Because of, um, of her background and what she went through. Yeah, totally, yeah. Yeah, I probably am always going to because she's a woman for a start. Yep. I mean, I, I've said this many times on our show that when it comes to domestic violence, for example, I think there's a bias in our culture, particularly from women that, when we hear that a woman has killed a man, we think, oh, yeah, what did he do to her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and we, we spoke to a family not long ago whose um, the son was murdered by his partner, a woman, mm-hmm. and and we, we were talking about that and they were saying, yeah, that's something that they that come up against a lot and always have done, um, trying to prove that he was not a violent person, that there was no reason that she murdered him and just like... Any female victim of domestic violence, it's just the same situation, whereas we have this bias in our culture. So I think where Amelia's concerned, she's a young single mum. She comes across as so honest where she goes, oh, look, you know, yeah, I was promiscuous. I slept around. Why would I go to all this trouble for him? Mm. I had so many boyfriends and I had all these other guys. Why would I? There's something about... That argument even that, that won me over. They're, are they all private facilities there or do they have not, some private, some state right? Yeah, not all. A hell of a lot of them are private. They're, they're not all of them are private. But, yes, I, I mean, that's and that's a gripe with a number of them because I speak to an, uh, a guy who's got a mobile phone in prison who rings me from his bunk um, and he was telling me that, you know, every single aspect of their life in there is monetized. Yeah. And, and he said, and that's why we get such horrendously long sentences is because the longer they keep us in for, the more money they make. They need beds filled to just keep 
churning out the cash because everything, oh literally everything about their life in there, they have to pay. Like if you, you know, if you want a TV, you got to pay for it or rent to pay for it. So if you if you want, you know, because they get tablets where and that's how they talk to me. They have tablets and they can send me an email essentially. But you have to pay for that tablet and then. But once you've got oh the God. tablet, then you have to pay for for digital stamps. So then you're paying for that so again. Is that their families paying for that or is that the, the work, the jobs they do to pay for that? Uh, well, no, they don't get paid for the jobs they do in prison. Actually, no, that's, well, that's not true. I think there's some very, there's very limited sense, jobs that get so. some, but yeah, it's like ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, otherwise they don't get paid. So yeah, so when it comes to money inside, yeah, so the guy I'm talking to, his, sadly his wife passed away and she had a life insurance policy and that's essentially what's keeping him going in prison is that life insurance policy. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, other people like Kim has no family on the outside, so um, she literally gets an allowance, I think, once a month, which is like $50 to, to be able to buy herself things like soap and, you know, all the rest of it. Um, and then so so that's why I can't actually give them money. They're not allowed to because I've said to them before, is there anything I can do to help you? Like, can I buy anything and then the, the ladies were like oh you know it'd be nice to get some new magazines because we've literally got the same ones that have been here for years so I bought them all subscriptions to different magazines and they just share those uh, and then I can also buy them stamps which is quite valuable for them to be able to send letters to people and whatnot. so I'll buy them you know 25, 30 stamps at a time and, and then they just let me know if they've run out and I hook them up with some more so but other than that yeah they just sort of as I said they, they survive on about 50 bucks a month or something Crazy. Good God. Yeah. Definitely not a place you want to go anyway, Michelle. Miss prison's not. And again, a lot of people will be listening to this going, boo-hoo, it's prison, you know. But yeah. I think there's... But it, again, I think it's good for people to hear this, to, mm. that whole, oh, you know, prison's not that bad. Although, and that's yeah. the thing, yeah, that's the thing. A lot, I think a lot of people think that everyone goes in there and there's a saying in America, it's uh, three hot and a cot, three hot meals yeah. and, a, and a place to sleep. You know, and people get a gripe because people in prison get treated better than, you know, homeless people and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, so I think a lot of people go, oh, sob stories. But, you know, I think, as you said, I think it's important for people to hear that it is not a holiday camp for a lot of people. Um, no, and how disadvantaged a lot of those people were to begin with and mm, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. You're doing God's work, mate. <laughs> I never want to get arrested show, in Florida. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, it's, it's a great show. Well done. Well done. I hope you can um, institute some self care, enough self care and boundaries, Jack. <laughs> I think I need to have a shave. I haven't shaved since I started the show. <laughs> uh, you know, I've barely showered or left this room. My wife. I said to my wife, I said, "Oh, you know, I, I, I bought a smoker the other day," and she goes, "You're just never going to leave the compound of this property. Like you're now working from here." <laughs> You barely, you barely shave. You, you've just bought a smoker. When are you, are you ever going to leave the house again? I'm like, well, yeah. you know, not for the foreseeable future, I don't think. I know, but I know. you're like me and my, my rescue kitten business. <laughs> I, uh, I started fostering kittens and then it yeah. turned into a kitten factory and now, and now I've got 10 cats. <laughs> boundaries, Jack. You and I need boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we'll get I've, there one day. Yeah, I've got four kittens here as we speak. I have to have get them adopted. I cannot keep, keep them. them. Yeah, this is the problem. This is, the, this is why I've never got involved with this stuff because they end up staying with you. They end up, oh, I can't get rid of that one. That's beautiful. And then all of a sudden, no. twenty five cats just, later, and you you've got to learn to have the conversation and set them free, Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, is this, are we talking about cats or prisoners now? Both, both. <laughs> both. <laughs> oh, mate, uh, please, because I want you to keep making this show because yeah, it's really, well, really good. I appreciate it. And thank you so much indeed for your support, like absolutely, and all your listeners. Uh, it's been amazing. Like, we've got so many people that said, oh, we came over from Australian True Crime. It's just been it's amazing, blah, blah, blah. So thank you right. so much indeed for your support. It's Honestly, it's, it means a lot because, it's, as you know, in this world of podcasting, when we ain't funded by those big people... 
you've got to do everything you can to try and uh, get noticed. So it's lovely when uh, podcasts help each other out. So thank you so yeah, much no indeed worries. to you guys. That was my chat with Michelle Laurie, who was kind enough to have me on her show, Australian True Crime. If you haven't yet heard the show, it has over 200 episodes that you can go and binge right now. One Minute Remaining is a Mash Pumpkin production. Produced, hosted and created by Jack Lawrence. Editing and sound design by Jack Lawrence and Dom Evans. This show is part of the ACAST Creator Network. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.